Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's word is truth and your questions matter. So we are still in Ephesians. We're in chapter 2 now, and we're going to be touching on verses 11 through 13. But I will read verses 11 through the end of that chapter so that we can get the full context of what's going on, what is happening, what Paul wants us to know. And actually, before we read, let's just take it into account what we have said already. So last couple episodes, we talked about being dead in our trespasses and sins or Paul writing to the church of Ephesus that they were once dead in their trespasses and sins in which they once walked following the course of this world, right? Letting them know that they were once far off, but they were brought near, right? And how was that done? In verse four, it says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead. So he himself recognizes that he was once dead, but now was made alive, right? And how was that done? Together with Christ, it says, and by grace you have been saved. And then last time we talked about being saved by grace through faith and what that is and how that has nothing to do with us at, in a sense that we did not work for our salvation. Instead, it was all of God. Therefore, he gets the praise. And now we can do these good works so that we may be able to express our gratitude, our devotion to God, our reverence to him, our bowing the knee before him, right? He is our Lord. And now we do these good works to glorify our Father. And then now we're going to be getting into what Paul, again, wants to remind the Ephesians that they were once here, now they are here, right? So they were there, now they are here. And let's let's go ahead and read verses 11, verse 11 of Ephesians in chapter 2. That says the word of God. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that at one time you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile both us both to God 
in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility, and came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access and one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. There is a lot in there. This is why I want to do just verses 1 or verses 11 through 13 in this episode. So let's reread that and let's unpack that and really dig in to see what Paul is saying. Right. So we have to remember the context. What is this context? The context is Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. Right. So these people, Paul's not writing to them necessarily that they were doing something wrong. But this is a reminder and not only for them, but also for us who are in Christ, because he uh, makes mention that he himself was once far off as well as these Gentiles. Right. Even though he was close, but not there. And we will, we will unpack that. So let's read again. Verse 11. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh call the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by hands. So what is Paul saying there, right? So Paul is basically differentiating between the Gentiles and the Jews, right? They were two groups of people, two separate groups of people. The Jews were the ones that received... Uh, God's word by the prophets, right? They were brought through this lineage and the covenants were brought through this lineage as well. So here it says, therefore, so we have to remember what the therefore is there, right? So the therefore usually follows after a point that the writer just made. What is next follows the same thought. That he just made, right? So what did Paul just tell the Ephesians? And even before, we, it says that they were once dead in sin, right? God made them alive by grace through faith, right? So he's talking to the Gentiles and letting them know what's going on and what is happening and what God did. So after all of this, by grace you have been saved through faith, therefore remember... So this is a remembrance kind of thing. It kind of takes me back to whenever Jesus was with the 12 and they were breaking bread and taking the cup. And Jesus says, every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me, right? What are we remembering? What are we being reminded when we do that? Well, the breaking of Christ's flesh for us, him dying for our sins, the blood that he poured out to cleanse us, right? So that's what we are being reminded of every single time we take the Lord's Supper because we are proclaiming Christ's death by doing that. So here it says, therefore, remember. So again, now we're taking this into account that Paul wants us to remember something. Remember what? Remember that at one time. So there was a time when 
It says, you Gentiles. So he's separating them from the Jews and calling them Gentiles and saying that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh. And what did they say or what did they call them? Call the uncircumcision. Who called them the uncircumcision? By what is called the circumcision. So the Jews gave them this name, right? And it's this kind of signifying that these people are not God's people. By calling them Gentiles. Right? This uncircumcision. They are part of the uncircumcision. Meaning they are not in the in crowd. They are out there. They are not the chosen ones. We are. Therefore we are going to call them the non-chosen ones. How do they do that? By saying the uncircumcision. Right? By what is called the circumcision. Which is made in the flesh. So Paul again humbling those who would be haughty or thinking that they are wise in their own eyes, saying, yeah, like, yeah, I'm part of the tribe of Benjamin, like Paul used to say. But here it says, which is made in the flesh by hands. So Paul is signifying that, yeah, you are called the circumcision, but only by what is made in the hands of man, right? Nothing of what is done by God, right? This reminds me actually of Romans chapter 2, because in Romans chapter 2, Paul lets us know who is the true Jew, right? Romans chapter 2, it says in verse 28, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. And in part, Paul gets to the heart of it. It says in verse 29, But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So Paul is... In Romans, letting us know the true Jews and what makes you a true Jew. It's not what is done on the outside. It is not the circumcision of the flesh that makes you a true Jew. Instead, a Jew is one inwardly, he says. And a circumcision has nothing to do with the foreskin. has all to do with the heart. And that is actually done by the Holy Spirit. Because it says, by the Spirit. Right? So it's not by works, not by the letter. So, Paul, again, here is humbling everybody at the same time, right? So, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. So, we have to always take into account that there was two main groups of people throughout Scripture, the Jews and the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Well, the Gentiles are all who are not a Jew. But all of this is outwardly, right? So that that's what is uh, important to, to note here. That it is just by outward appearance, just by uh, lineage that they can trace back to. Um, they'll say, you are a Jew, you are a Gentile. But that actually does not make you of Christ. Or part of the church of Christ, right? Christ's church. So, the Jews and the Gentiles are still off. Even though the Jews were the chosen ones through whom God would bring the Messiah. Whom God gave the ordinances. Whom God gave the prophets. Right? God's word spoken aloud and actually prophesied to the people. 
but there's a problem here. Right? So let's let's continue reading verse 12. Remember that at one time or that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So what is Paul saying here? Well, Paul says in verse 12 that the Jews, or I mean the Gentiles, were alienated from the commonwealth. But before that he says separated from Christ. That is important. What What is Paul noting there? We're, uh, the Gentiles were separated from Christ to alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, three, strangers to the covenants, four, having no hope, or they have no hope, and then five, without God. There's five things there, right? What comes to mind when we read that? If you've read Romans, and if you haven't, I recommend you read it. Open it up, ask God to uh, give you understanding of his word. And I, I, would, I would challenge you to read Romans from chapter 1 all the way through till the end and see what God inspired Paul to write. This is what it says in chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, because this is what comes to my mind. It says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through, through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace with which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in his sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Again, we can note five things that have happened by being made alive in Christ. Right? There's the peace of God, the hope of God. We also get the love of God. We get God himself, who is the Holy Spirit. The access to God, these five things, right? There's five things there. But notice, right? It says that we, the Gentiles were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants. What is Paul saying there? Paul, what are you trying to convey? What are you saying? It's, But again, like I said, if you've read Romans... Paul makes a note of that as well, right? Paul lets us understand that the Jews actually have all of that. Well, they were blessed, per se, that God has given them all of this, right? So this is what it says in chapter 9 in Romans, verse 4. It says, they are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, 
and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. So Paul here in chapter 9 in Romans is letting us know and noting that these Israelites, God actually chose them to bring about the adoption, to bring about the glory, to bring about the covenants, right? These covenants that makes them part of God's people, the giving of the law, the worship. Just imagine being given the privilege to worship the one true God. But what is Paul doing here in Romans chapter 9? We have to remember the context. It says, but it is not as though the word of God has failed. What did he just say? He's letting, uh, in the letter of Romans, what, what he's trying to portray is the fact that even though the Jews were given all of this, they were still cut off from Christ because they try to justify themselves by works, not by faith. And that is what Paul was doing. And Paul, even in chapter 10, later um, lets them know, and it says, For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So it's the believing in him, the having of faith in him, that justifies us. And that's why he says in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, not by works, it says by faith. So, separated from Christ. The reason why they were separated from Christ is because the Christ did not, did not come through the Gentiles. Instead, it came through the lineage of the Israelites, the Jews, right? The God's chosen people. But again, even within this God's chosen people, only God would save a remnant. And that's what Paul says later in Romans. But we are not in Romans. We are in Ephesians. Maybe we can do Romans next time. But let's go let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 again. Let's reread that. It says remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. Just imagine being a Gentile now, right? Apart from Christ. Imagine being apart from Christ. You are a Gentile. This is where you are. Right? It's crazy to see that there is no hope for the Gentiles. But because the Jews had everything, right? We just read it in, in Romans chapter 9. They had it all. They were given the covenants, the worship, the privilege to worship God. Even through their own line, they had the patriarchs, right? Not only the patriarchs, but also the Christ that came through that line. And they still were cut off, right? And that's what Paul is letting us know here. Because it says in verse 13, But now in Christ you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So again, Paul is still harping on the Gentiles. Later we will see that the Jews also uh, are, are being made one together with the Jews. Gentiles and Jews. 
How? Same way, through the same gospel, by being reconciled to God through Christ. Right, so even the Gentiles were preached this peace, right? That's why in verse 17 in chapter 2 of Ephesians, it says, And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. Right, the near ones were the Jews. They were really close, yet far off. And the Gentiles, they were far off. Why? We just mentioned them. We mentioned five things. Separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants, having no hope, and also without God. That's why they were so far off. Or us, we, a lot of us, most of us are Gentiles in the flesh. And that means we were that far. But here in Ephesians, Paul is giving us the good news, right? This transition, this contrast, right? What is this contrast that he is doing? He's telling the Ephesians, right? The church of Ephesus and all of those who will receive this letter or would receive this letter, telling them, remember, this is where you once were. And then you, and then you get to verse 13 and it says, but now. When? Now. So remember that, that at one time. So the one time is back then, long ago, you were here. There's five things that separated you from God. Five things that you did not have. And then he says in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus. So again, this is important being in Christ. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's a beautiful thing that Paul says here. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near. How were we brought near? Did we do something to come to God? It says we were brought near by the blood of Christ. What I'm reminded is being in the middle of the river and at the end of the river is the ocean. The ocean represents God. The river represents Christ's blood. And we're just in it. And what Christ does is we flow through this river until we flow into the ocean, who rep which represents God. So this is what happens. The river moves us to the ocean because that's what all rivers do they flow until they end at the ocean so this is what i am reminded of something that uh just clicked into my head and and i thought of a rapid and it flows into the river or it flows into the ocean right so you are flowing you're just in it right you don't even have to paddle because you're already flowing. The current is taking you. And this is what Christ is doing by his blood. He took us. He, By the blood of Christ, we were brought near to God. How beautiful is that? How awesome is that to, to note? Right? So we had nothing to do with God. But because of Jesus, we have everything to do with God. Right? So the price Jesus 
bought me and you, if you're in Christ, cannot be topped even by the riches of the world that they can offer, right? All you can gather all the riches in this world and try to compare it to Christ and his blood that he poured out for us. It is incomparable. There is no way for us to be able to amount to that, right? There's a portion in scripture where we are told to remember, know the love of God through Christ, which surpasses knowledge. So he says, understand this love that surpasses knowledge. Basically, he's saying, know that God loves you this much. Just know that you're not going to be able to understand it ever. We will try to understand it even for an eternity, right? God is eternal. That's just God's nature. That's why portion of scripture says that God is love. And the reason why that is, he is the standard of love, right? Therefore, us still being creatures we will know god we will see him face to face when we're with him but to truly understand this love would take us forever literally would take us forever and this is a beautiful thing that happens in what god has done to us through christ so Let's go to 1 Corinthians. I want to uh, end this in 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And let's read verse 31. And I'll read that on all the way till chapter 11 verse 1. And actually chapter 11 verse 1 is what, where I get the idea of follow me to heaven. So let's read. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31, all the way through 11, verse 1. It says, So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Who's the church of God? Those who are in Christ. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. You see, this is what we ought to do. This is what we ought to portray and we ought to show. The reason why Paul is saying be imitators of me is just because he is saying that he is imitating Christ. And how is he imitating Christ? Well, he says he does all that he can and all that he does to the glory of God. And that's what we as believers ought to do, right? Even when you eat, even when you drink, you do it to the glory of God. Pick up trash when you drop it on the floor in an accident, well, you do it to the glory of God. Right When you're writing a five-paragraph essay or a five-page essay for an assignment, do it to the glory of God. Working 12-hour shifts, do it 
to the glory of God. Right? We are to be the most content people in this world. Why? Because we have everything in Christ. And we were purchased by His blood that's incomparable. Right? So that's what's beautiful. And that is why Paul is saying, so that they may be saved. How are they being saved? Well, because Paul does all that he can to glorify God in this world. But what was Paul's main mission? Paul's main mission is to proclaim the gospel, right? To speak with the people and gather them together and explain the scriptures and actually show them Christ through the law, through the prophets, right? That's what Paul did and that's what we ought to do. We ought to show this world why we are so content, why we have this hope that is like no other. Well, the hope that we have is a living hope. That's what First Peter says, that we have this living hope. See, this world, those who are without Christ, whether they know it or not, they are in chains. What chains are these? Well, the chains of sin and death. They are entangled. And they need help. And they can't help themselves. God needs to do a regeneration work within them. Regenerating their hearts to love God now instead of hating Him. Because we once hated God, it says in Romans. We wanted nothing to do with God. But God made us alive altogether with Christ. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, it says in Romans 5. So... If you are not in Christ, I say come to Christ. Love you enough to let you know that apart from Christ, you will die in your sins. And you will not be able to pay that off, even for an eternity. And that's why God has prepared a place for all of those that will be revealed when the Lord Jesus returns, comes so I say he hasn't come yet. So those of you who are listening to this, I say come to him. Come repenting of your sins and acknowledging and trusting that Christ alone saves. That in him, believe in him and all that he has done, that he has died for our sins and on and he was buried and on the third day he rose from the grave and now he has ascended into heaven. He's at the right hand of God. He is seated on his throne. He is the rightful king. And that's what the ascension was all about, is that Christ may be coronated as king, as the rightful king. Right? The king that will never pass. Right? He remains king and he will be king forever. So, I say again, reread Ephesians. Challenge y'all to read Romans. Romans is a amazing book in scripture. But I say read it. Ask God for understanding and he will let you know and he will help you. Guide you. Right? The Holy Spirit convicts us. And that's a good thing and we are to come to Christ. Come to God knowing that we have peace with him for all of us who have faith. 
right? This faith that we put in him, it says, therefore, being justified by faith, we are justified by this faith. We have peace with God. So I say have peace, and there is peace in Christ. This is Follow Me to Heaven. Mm -hmm.